We're starting a series today called Hello, Reconnecting in a Disconnected World. Now, we have all kinds, we are experts at, it feels like, disconnecting now. Whether you know it or not, you've built all kinds of different things in your life and in your home to disconnect. You know, if you watch House Hunters at all, the guy always wants a man cave, right? A man cave is a disconnect cave. I want to get away from you, lady, is what that is. Now, if you have man caves built in your house, I didn't mean to start an argument. But sometimes you just need to like, okay, we, we need to, but it's a disconnect. A certain level of disconnection is fine. It's good. It's healthy. But when it becomes the lifestyle of your relationship now, we have an issue. We do this, right? We, I'm going to put this TV show on the TV so I know my wife's not going to stay in the room. She's going to want to go somewhere else. I'm picking on guys right now, but ladies, you do the same thing, right? You turn On Friday night, you turn on uh, the wedding uh, dress show. You know your husband ain't going to stay around there at all, right? He's, he's gone. This is a level of disconnection. We, there's a... A photographer uh, that has uh, taken positions of people looking at their phones uh, in, in bed or on the couches or whatnot and said, hey, this is what you guys look like. And he photoshopped out the phones. People look really weird because their whole body language is this, right? Well, guess what? If I'm on the couch with you, honey, and both of us are curled away from each other like this, there is a problem of disconnection in our relationship. And so I want to really speak into that, not only into our, our, just our marriage relationships, but the things that we're going to talk about can speak directly into your work relationships. They can speak directly into your parenting. They can speak directly into actually any relationship you have. But if we can work on a marriage relationship, we can get that one working well. You can get any of the rest of them working well, okay? Because you're with that person all the time. I mean, you get to be with that person all the time. Uh, that's that's the way. That's the way. That's the way it's supposed to go. Uh, you know, it's, but if you can work on that, we can we can make uh, the rest of them better. So don't totally. If you're single and you, I don't have a wife or I don't have. Thanks for bringing that up, Jared. You big jerk. Uh, that's not. You know, this is very applicable to all, all the different areas of your life. But we're going to hit marriage hard. But you should be able to. I'll hopefully guide you on how that applies uh, to you in the other aspects of your life as well. The goal of these next five weeks is to reconnect in a disconnected world. Reconnect in a disconnected world. We go through, one of the ways we've got to figure this out is that we go in different seasons. That life operates kind of in seasons. Right now, <clears throat> we had, you know, spring yesterday. All right? If you want to know what, why I get homesick for Georgia, that was Georgia winter yesterday and today. That's, that's why you're like, oh, why did he move here? You know, that's, that's the kind of uh, the whole aspect of that. And Jimmy's like, uh-huh. Uh, but that's the way it, 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 it is there. But there's different seasons in life. And just like yesterday, some of us are experiencing different times of seasons at different times. You can be having a winter of your soul at the same time your husband is having his summer. And that causes conflict. Why is your life so rosy right now? Why are you not in pain with me? And it causes some sort of issue. Some of you are in a harvesting time, a fall season of your life, while others, it just feels like you're sowing seeds. You're sowing seeds. Maybe it's with your business. One of you are doing fantastic. You know, the accounts are coming in. Things are going on. Somebody's trying to start a business. The other one of you, and you're just, I'm sowing seeds. And every year we do taxes. I find out I didn't make any money this year. You know, that's always fun, right? You're sitting there and you're at taxes and you started a business and you're self-employed and you're like, well, good news, you're deductible. 
Why is that? Because you win the whole $8,000. Oh, fabulous. Uh, you know, that's, that's really a, a challenge that happens in people's lives. But that's a season, right? That's, that business is going to become profitable. But when you start, that's a season of it. And so we, we go through these seasons. We go through these times of sometimes it's just barren. It's just winter. It's just there's nothing happening. And we go through those times. and It's really difficult. But we need to recognize that those are seasons and not a life sentence. I know it feels like in February around here that there'll never be sunshine again, right? I watch Alaska, The Last Frontier all the time. I love that stinking show. My kids love it with me. They love it when they start gutting moose and deer. I'm raising some weird kids, but that's, they, uh, they love that part of that show and figuring out all, how people are doing this and, and, and going on that. They love that. And they were talking, they had a behind the scenes episode on that we, we watched together. But they said, winter is so hard. Because the daylight lasts, you know, an hour, and it feels like it will never be sunny again. And I think that spoke to me a little bit. And sometimes in our relationships and in the way in which we live life, or maybe even our work relationships, it will never be sunny again, right? We, we get in those places, but it will. It's for a season. It is just for a time. It will get better. But then if you're in the great season, if you're in summer, it will be fall again, and it will be winter again. It just happens. Now that we've identified these different seasons, I want to kind of move on. We're going to quickly highlight the next four weeks. This is going to be, I'm going to struggle not to preach all four sermons today and have you here until two o'clock, but we're going to work really hard at that, okay? So we're going to, we're going to kind of highlight all these extra sermons uh, the next couple weeks, and I don't know what order they're in, so don't try to like plan a calendar. I want to hear that one, but I don't want to hear about the forgiveness one. Uh, don't, I don't know what order they're going to be in yet, so uh, here we go. You are better together. And we got to realize this. We have to focus in on this. You are better together. You are better together. Kelly and I are a very unique marriage because we are two hurricane force personalities that have the potential to hit each other not physically, but you know, you know, to bump into each other and cause all kinds of mass destruction around us. We also have the potential to merge our powers and become a super storm. Okay, we have, we took, a, if you came to group, you took a disc assessment. You took the disc assessment of uh, how my personality uh, works and how does it work with leadership. Kelly and I's disc assessment is basically as opposite you both, both can be. And if we went to a marriage counselor, they'd be like, you all need to watch out because you are a storm waiting to happen. And we understand this. We've been together for 17 years. Half of our lives, we've been together. So we figured this out. And this, uh, for parts of it. Other times we just know we're going to butt heads and it's just going to happen. Okay. But usually we have to make these choices on, are we going to, or are we going to work together and become the supercell storm that works together? Uh, I am an only child. And so I default to, I can do this by myself. I don't need your opinion because I'm an only child. That's just... It's not me being haughty or a pain in the rear. It's just I'm work. That's I don't need you (laughs) like that. I've always been that way. My mom's been sick my whole life. I got to be dependent on by myself, independent on myself, by myself. I'll go. It's not I'll take my ball and go home. I just never wanted you to touch my ball in the first place. I don't know why you would. Right. 
And so I know this about myself, and, and I work with... Kelly is a firstborn, strong-willed woman. And she has always been at a place where she will do uh, her best. She is a perfectionist to the T. And so she likes it done her way. This comes very interesting the first time you fold laundry for your wife trying to be nice. Right? Um, I was doing it yesterday. I have no idea. Guys trying to fold... You know, you're trying to be nice, you're trying to fold women's laundry... I don't know. It's like a fit. Every piece of article of clothing is like a fitted sheet. Like, I do not understand this, right? It does not work. And so I'm trying, and basically everything's just getting wadded up right here. And she's on the couch next to me, and I can see it by her body language. She's just kind of like, oh, sweet Jesus, why is he doing that? Like, she's trying so hard. And I was like, is this a hang-up pile? She's like, yeah, yeah, it's a hang-up pile. It's going to get hung up. <laughs> like, okay, I'll just put that here. And it, it worked it out because there's this, this tension inside of, I want to do it my way and I'm going to have it done this way. And so we, we realize this and I, I know we've kind of worked together in our boundaries on that. But Kelly's mom knew we were, in, we were going to work out when we, she was a senior in high school and I was a junior in high school. And I do not recommend high school uh, Sweetheart relationships, they hardly ever work out. Kelly and I just did because we're stubborn, okay? Uh, so, but, but Kelly's mom knew, she was, in tr- knew I, she was in trouble when Kelly was at a state senior uh, diving meet. Kelly was an amazing diver, and she could do things in the air and flips and twists and all these crazy stuff. It's just beautiful to watch. Well, it's at the state meet, and Kelly hits the board. And when you hit the board, you basically automatically get disqualified because you don't finish your dive because it's bad, right? And so you can imagine a senior in high school girl who's a perfectionist hit the board, the trauma that is going on in her brain at this time. And she's just unconsolable. But Kelly doesn't cry. She goes off and bees by herself and gets by herself and kind of shuts everybody away. This is normal Kelly behavior and also an 18-year-old girl. Okay, there we go. So you've got all that going on, and I broke through. No one else, coach couldn't talk to her, mom couldn't talk to her, dad couldn't talk to her, sister couldn't talk to her. I broke through in that moment, and Johanna goes, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we're in trouble with this one. Because she knew if that boy can reach her at this time, now we've got, this is serious. And I think as we look at our relationships, sometimes you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. You have these two distinct hurricane force people in your life. And are they going to, or are they going to mesh together? And the argument I have for us today is you are better together. It was better for Kelly to work through uh, the disappointment and stuff when she had a shoulder to cry on instead of doing it by herself. There's been times in my life where I just want to shut everyone out and do things my own way and be by myself and no one come, come near me, totally disconnect, that I've had to let her in because we're better together. Some of you are in a place right now in your own relationships, maybe in your work environment, maybe with your kids that you're just like, I can't do it with anybody else. I just got to do it by myself. This is driving me insane. Let me reassure you, you are better together. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. 
Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. When you are together, you are better, you are stronger, you are faster together. We're going to talk about how that works, how that dependency kind of works together. And we're going to, we're going to explore that later on this month. The second thing I want to talk about is this, changing expectations. If I can give one piece of advice <clears throat> on how to be a better parent, be a better worker, be a better leader, be a better uh, husband or spouse, it is learn how to manage expectations. Kelly and I don't fight often. We have preemptive discussions. We have preemptive discussions. We talk about, you know, wait a minute. We see somebody else, like before, when we were your guys' age. We just got engaged. And everybody's lovey-dovey, right? <laughs> Nothing's wrong in the world. We just got engaged. We're okay. And then tomorrow happens, but that's okay. Uh, so... <laughs> But but then you have to deal with your future in-laws and woohoo. Uh, so <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, things happen, right? You've got to you got to. If I can give you guys any advice right now, if you guys actually ask me for advice, this is the advice I would give you. Start to set expectations now. You see somebody else parenting. You see how that works. Whoa. That kid is crazy. Why is that kid? Well, the mom's not doing anything. Well, how are, would you do that or would you do something different? Have that. And it's really easy now when you don't have kids to examine other people's parenting skills. Because once you're doing it, you're just so overwhelmed. You have no idea what you're doing. And that's uh, the way it is. But set expectations. Well, if that happened, this is what my response would be. Ugh, I don't know if I have that response. Okay, well, let's talk about it. See, this, we're setting up the expectations. You got to got to be willing to, to set the expectations well. Um, going back to the laundry with Kelly and I, right? Do you expect me to fold the laundry? Because if the laundry basket's sitting there, I think, oh, someone needs to do that. Well, I don't know that I'm being nails on a chalkboard the way that I fold your clothes. So for a long time, I wouldn't touch the laundry. And then Kelly was like, okay, well, I'm working. she was working full-time, I'm working full-time. When no one's touching the laundry... No one's touching the laundry. And so I'm okay with that. In college, you know, my pants knew they needed to get washed when they walked themselves to the washer, and they jumped in. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this, but I'm like, I think you want something done here. And so we, we figured out how to change those roles and, and work through that. And so now I basically fo- I can fold everybody else's laundry. I leave hers. I was trying to be really nice last night. I thought it was my load of laundry, honestly, because my stuff was on top. Anyway, you don't care. But we have to set the expectations. Do you want me to do this? Do you not want me to do this? Right? Kelly... Um, I'm picking on her a lot. She was supposed to be here today, but Bowen got sick, so she couldn't be here. Um, in China, do you guys have any expectations with China or Christmas tree ornaments? Right? If you, if you do, you know who you are. And husbands, you better know if your wife has those expectations with China. My poor brother-in-law, after Christmas dinner, is the only time we basically get China all year long, wanted to be nice because he didn't do anything with the with the meal and wash the dishes of the china, of grandma's 150-year-old china. <laughs> you all know where this is going. Well, <laughs> danger, danger, Mr. Robinson. You know, Defcon. It is bad. Bad things are going to happen here because if you break that, you might as well just not excommunicate yourself from the family. Right? This is bad. We want to have nieces and nephews in our lives. And so... Uh, she might have gotten over it, but Kelly just goes, you know what, Aaron? 
how about you just let me do that? And he said, but I'll do it. He's like, no, no, no. And I go, Aaron, it's, it would be okay if, if Kelly just did that. It's okay. He said, oh, okay. And he was kind of like offended. I was like, it's just for the betterment of life. <laughs> so we had to have a sit down, you know, just because, you know, there's just too big of a margin for, oh no, right? And so you got to figure out where those expectations are. I knew it was. I wasn't going to touch that plate with a 10-foot pole. No. Now, I do, the, I do the dishes a lot. we got to set an expectation, right? If you never say, hey, if I cook the food, you clean up, but you're mad for the last 10 years that they never have done dishes after you've cooked the food, but you've never said it, you got to change the expectations. Now, I'm picking on silly little things that cause arguments, but you know, if the little things are causing that big of expectation problems, the big things will as well. What do you expect in childcare? Do, do you expect to stay home when you have a kid? Because I was looking at the budget and did you really want to do that? Do you, because that's a hard one, start talking about. What do you expect with uh, when our parents get older? Are they living with us? Because that needs to be talked about. Do you, do you see what, what I'm, I'm going at? What I'm saying? You got to set the expectations because if we know, and then with your kids, this is easy with your kids. If you set expectations, hey, if you do this, this will happen, and you follow through on it, life will be a lot easier. Not easy, but easier. You set expectations. I set expectations even with my dog. My dog uh, went to the bathroom on the carpet last night when I was asleep. This is the only like the third time she's ever done this. I know I'm getting gross here. But when I woke up in the morning, she is cowering in the corner because she knows the expectation is you don't do that. Right? I, I didn't even discipline the dog because she, she just like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right in the, in the corner because she knows the expectation. Hey, you don't do that stuff. And the same thing with her kids. I don't want my kids living in fear, but they know the expectations. Bowen got in trouble on the bus because he's social and goofy and he's my son. Right? So he got in trouble on the bus and he comes off and he is like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And he comes up and I'm like, what's the matter? I got in trouble. I got moved to the special seat on the bus. Oh, you did. I'm like, you know, trying to be the, oh, yeah, okay. Um, I'm like, I'm there with you, buddy. Uh, so, so I was like, oh, you got moved to the special seat on the bus. Okay, what was that about? I was talking to, I turned around my seat and was talking to people behind you. Okay, well, you know why that was bad? Okay, well, here's the, here's the repercussion. You get in trouble again, you'll, mommy and dad will be taking you to, the, to school, and you won't get the opportunity to be with your friends on the bus. Okay. And he knows because we set the expectations before on other things and follow through on them, he knows that's what's going to happen. He doesn't question it. He won't question it. And guess what? He's already gotten to move back to his seat because he's like, I'm perfect in, in the bus now because I don't want the um, ramifications of my actions to happen. You got to change the expectations. John 16, says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you will have trouble. You will have trouble, and you will have trouble, and I will have trouble. It is a given, Jesus says, in this world, if you are breathing, you will have a problem. It it just happens. But we've got to manage our expectations to know when this happens, we can overcome it through Christ Jesus. It's time to change expectations in our life. Times to change expectations so we know what's going to happen. If this happens, this is going to happen. I don't want to be surprised by your behavior. I don't want to be shocked by it. 
I know we're going to have hard times. I know we're going to have difficult times. But if we already know what we're thinking and what we're, what we're going towards when, when those difficult times happen, hey, we can navigate that stuff. Number three is forgiveness. It's one of the hardest things to do in, our, in life and in relationships, but it's also the most important. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's not something we get to do. It's not something I might get to round to doing. It's not an extra or a plus. It is the essence of Christianity. Forgiveness. We are supposed to forgive as we have been forgiven. And when we step into relationship with God, we are utterly cleaned of our past and of our junk and of the stuff. So that means that that renewing of us, that cleaning of us, that setting free of us is what we're supposed to be offering to the people around us, and especially the people closest to us. In Matthew 18, 21 to 35, it says this. This is the New Living Translation I'm going to read out of. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Seven sounds like a good number. You know, seven, seven times. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In this process, one of his debtors was brought who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the master and begged him, Please be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had been forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid the entire debt. That's what the heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. This is us in our relationships. Jesus utterly forgives us of a huge amount of debt. What debt do I owe God? All the sin in my life, all the messes in my life, all the abhorrent actions I've taken in life, the stealing, the cheating, the lying, the gossip, and the slander. God forgives us of all of this, sets us free, and gives us a new lease on life. Just like if I owned millions of dollars, what that would be to me, the free freedom of that. And yet we go around in life and hold people up to the, the little grievances that we have with them. And we refuse to forgive them. This can't be. This can't be the way in which we operate. We have to live a lifestyle of forgiveness. How does God forgive? He forgets it. It is far, as far from the east is from the west. 
What does it look like in our relationships when the trespasses against us are thrown as far as the east is from the west? Forgiveness. Our lack of forgiveness is a defining factor in our disconnectedness. Because when we harbor grudges, when we harbor um, things that have been done against us, we disconnect instead of dealing with. Forgiveness requires to be connected. <clears throat> to not forgive means you just insulate yourself more and more and more against that person. Because all you can think of when you come in contact with them is this thing, whatever this is. And it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. Our lack of forgiveness is a defining factor in our disconnectedness. Our ability to forgive is a defining factor in our connectedness. And finally for today, we have to make changes. We have to make changes. Romans 6, 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it have control over you. We have to make changes. And some of those changes are difficult. Some of these behaviors have to be altered. We have to repent from them, which just means I have to turn from them. It actually is the same word in archery to adjust your aim. You know, shooting up in the air. Maybe shooting my brother or sister if you had a bow and arrow. Adjust my aim for the target. Make changes. We have to be willing to make changes in our own lives if we want our relationships to work. One of the things you got to realize is I can't change someone else. I can only change my own self. I can't change my husband. I can't change my wife as much as I want to. But that's not my job. That's God's job and their job. It's my job. I make myself the best I possibly can be. We have to be willing to identify the areas that we need to change in. How do we start? How do we start the road of changing and giving our life to Christ? We don't have the power for sustainable change without him powering our lives. We don't have that ability. We are too easily caught into temptation. We're too easily caught into our old ways. Habits are too powerful to do it by ourselves. We have to have the power of God working in us. Give your life to Jesus. Make him Lord of your life and make the changes that are necessary. Second, get in the life group. We have signups going on here. We, I already talked about the marriage group, but many of these life groups are places, they're safe places to be yourself and to say, I need help with X or Y or Z. And they can say, hey, how are you doing with that? It's the accountability. It's, it's growing as a man or a woman of God. And then finally, live your life for the good of others. Live your life for the good of others. Live your life for the good of others. Think about that for a second. 
If how you orientate your life and your decision-making process is, is this best for, and you can ask this question, is this best for my spouse or them, and is it best for us? The best for me doesn't come into account, because if you're working and saying, is this best for us and the best for them, it will be best for you. But as we work on ourselves, as we work on how we're going to change, as we work on how we're going to make our relationships better, is this best for them and is this best for us? We got a great series planned here. I'm very excited about all the in-depth. This was just the top layer of all the things we're going to talk about. We talked about some heavy stuff today. We've got each one of these weeks has got a whole message behind it and ready to rock and roll for you. I'm excited about what God wants to do in your lives and in your relationships, how he wants to adjust. And maybe you're doing great in your marriage and you're doing great at work and you're doing great parenting. You're just hitting out of the park on all these things. There's still these principles because that season will end. Summer will end and winter will come. And these principles need to be hit on. Some of you are desperate for help and desperate in your marriages, desperate in your relationships, desperate at work. And these things can help you. Commit to being a part of this church for this next month and getting the most we can out of this series. I'm excited to to bring it to your attention and and let God just work on your heart uh, this month and this time. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time. Lord, I ask you to bless us and guide us as we work on these truths, as we mold them over as we think about all that you have for us. God, if forgiveness is a hard thing for us, let us remember what it was like to be forgiven by you. God, some of us feel so disconnected from the people important in our lives that it almost feels like an impossibility that we could connect again. God, right now, to those people in this room that that feel that hopelessness, Lord, I I ask for hope to be rekindled in their heart. I ask for you to speak into their hearts to say, I've not left you and I've not forsaken you, and there is hope that you are better together. God, we ask you to be with us this week. Lord, I ask you to be with us today at lunch. As I know Satan will come against us and try to destroy all the decisions we try to make in this, in this last half an hour. God, that you would guard our hearts. That you would give us the willpower. That you would give us the, the knowledge and the steadiness to chase after you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.